0: This is the Square Up Healthcare podcast, where we discuss all things related to executive search and ambulatory strategy. My name is Ken Munsterman. I'm here with Larry Trillips, principal advisor of SquareUp. Uh, and today, Larry, we're talking about resumes. Um, so Larry, can you give me an understanding of the kind of work you've done with resumes, the background you have in this?
1: Sure, Ken. Uh, thank you very much for uh, introducing me there. Personally, in my history and my work history, uh, a lot of my time in my career was spent in building divisions. Uh, building organizations from the ground up, which required me to do a lot of recruiting. And as I look back, I probably have looked at well over thousands of resumes in my career. I think as I talk to other individuals in the space and people that work in healthcare in particular, most of them don't get the luxury of having to see that because most people aren't in a growth and startup phase where they've had to take a division from a few hundred people to over a few thousand people. Right. right. Yeah. So it was, it was a really unique experience. It was a lot of fun and very much played in my passion of what I do and the work I do. And I think obviously talent is so critical to every organization. And how do you look at resumes? What do you ask about resumes? What do individuals worry about with resumes? There's a lot of discussion to be had in this space.
0: Great, great, Larry. I appreciate that. Um, so let's get let's get deeper into that. You know, I've seen uh, several resumes in my time in healthcare administration. I mean, it, you know, not nearly the extent and breadth of yours, but um, you know, I've noticed some. Uh, kind of easy mistakes that are made, especially with aspiring leadership and people looking to grow or develop in their their, uh, kind of leadership journey. Um, Specifically to me around kind of buzzwords, people using too much language that maybe doesn't necessarily add content, but just adds a lot of volume. What are your thoughts on that? What do you see there? I I think it's a really interesting topic. And
1: unfortunately, I probably see more of it than I want to. When we talk with candidates for roles, especially executive type roles, a lot of words come out, innovation, game-changer, uh, paradigm, the the list just goes on paradigm and on. Paradigm shift. Paradigm down, shift. Right. Yeah, you could just keep going on and on. Paradigm's a little out of style right now, but it, <laughs> it was the hot word about three to five years ago in terms of what people were looking at. I'd say game-changer is probably the big one now right. that you see a lot of. And I think that the danger with buzzwords is your context of what that really means to the people you're trying to appeal to. And, you know, if you're sitting across from people you don't know well and you use a term like game-changer, what you perceive as a game changer may not even be close to those people. And you'd be surprised how many candidates I talk to that I'll press on these buzzwords and say, what do you mean by that? Give me an example. And they cannot really come up with an example and and they can't get specific about the example. And what you find out is they may have been part of something that was big for an organization, but how big of a role they played in it, that could be debatable at times. But there's a lot of danger in using those buzzwords because you just don't know the people sitting across from you what they've accomplished and what they would consider game changer you may have a total different context than what they're looking at it for
0: right so you're essentially the worry is coming in too hot and worrying that um you're going to essentially over commit your accomplishments to the person you're interviewing with at which point they come back and say hey what does game changer actually mean to you and that puts you in a place in an interview where you're playing defense at that point correct i mean
1: that that's correct and i think our role obviously is executive search and what we do you know i think that's a unique aspect we bring is we'll push people on those topics we'll really push them on those words i think a lot of people take them at face value unfortunately too and sometimes they acquire the talent to their organization thinking They've accomplished more than they did, so to speak. Sure. And end up disappointed in the talent acquisition process of what it meant to them and what they thought that person was going to bring. Sure. There's also, you know, other things around buzzwords that, you know, it's one of those that concrete examples, I talked about that earlier, mean a lot. And I think people don't spend the time going two, three levels deep if they're going to use words like that, and that's a danger to them.
0: So, is this something that when you uh, advise on creating a resume? So, for, for listeners thinking about, okay, maybe I need to take a look at what at my resume. What am I What am I doing? You know, if 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 a reader here is looking at their resume and they see, you know, innovator, um, you know, game changer, for example, where would you suggest they start at, kind of peeling that back and looking at that?
1: Well, again, you know, it's, it, it kind of leads into another part of, of what I talk about with resumes, which is establishing a point of reference. So hand in hand with, if you're gonna make claims about you've done things on this scale, what was your role in that organization? And establishing really a point of reference is what I like to tell people. And the example I give today, you know, Ken, I'll, I'll give a great example is chief financial officer. We work with organizations now where there could be 10, 15, 20 chief financial officers within that organization. Are you CFO of a medical group that reports to a region? Are you cfo of a region are you cfo of a division are you cfo of something even larger than right. that all, or are
0: you the cfo of the organization all meaningful differences all yeah. very meaningful differences.
1: all very meaningful differences which also means a what you're looking at how does that plug into those opportunities and b back to the buzzwords if i'm going to use buzzwords what's the scale and context to the role i had that someone i could sit across and say given the role of what they were doing and they're going to use something like that That was meaningful, or no, it wasn't meaningful. It's a stretch
0: at that point. Sure. So, and then in that sense, I mean, you're also kind of speaking to context around, um, you know, the role. So, obviously, I could be the CFO of my own company or the CEO of my own company, but what did I do? Correct. And so, how do you, what kind of coaching do you provide in terms of making sure that, you know, given a resume is not it is enough to start the conversation, but maybe not enough to finish the conversation.
1: So what what I like to recommend for people to do, and this was advice given to me way back when I was, I was younger and, and working with recruiters, and I've been on both ends of searches before. You know, I was working for an organization that the recruiter knew what that organization was, but didn't know that the people I was trying to get my resume to would understand that. Hmm. And the organization I was at went through a brand change, a name change. And he said, you know, your point of reference may be that people may recognize the old name, not the new name. So always think about that in a branding perspective. Has your company rebranded? Would people recognize that name out there? Right. The second component of that about establishing the point of reference is I like to put a sentence or two in a resume to say, I was this role in this company that was this big and my scope was this within that. And the reason you do that, think about all the times in interviews, and I think anyone listening to this would tend to agree, you sit down for an interview, you've got one hour with somebody. How much time do you waste saying, Ken, so you worked here, now how, how big was your scope and how many people reported to you? and and how large was the budget right, you Just managed? establishing
0: that baseline. Just, just
1: establishing the baseline, and yeah. you know, I'll say it over and over again to people: it's it's like being on Star Search, so to speak. When you're interviewing, you've got a limited amount of time to get a lot across, and not only get a lot across, you probably want to learn something about that organization right. in that limited right.
0: time. Right. And so, actually, that's something I'd, I'd love to talk about because this is something I've observed in my. Um, you know, career progression in in healthcare and driving forward. Um, I've I've used interviews to learn more about the organization. Um, You know, what is your perspective on on the best way to do that? Is there a better way? I mean, I've I've asked a lot of questions, but I, I come, I end up kind of stumped sometimes of what exactly am I going to do? What How should I crack into this and understand this as a interviewee? I
1: I think that's a great question, Ken. And I think I've, I've seen it from all angles and sides. And even in my own life and my own career path and trajectory of what I've done, I think you got to determine what mindset you're going to go into an interview with. And mm-hmm. let me give you spaces. There was times in my career that I was thinking maybe I wanted to change. And I went and interviewed at organizations, not knowing if I fully wanted the role or the
0: opportunity, and mm-hmm.
1: was probably overly defensive in terms of how I interviewed with that
0: organization. Sure, kind of um, reserved in how you interviewed.
1: Not necessarily reserved, but probably firing too many questions off to try to establish what oh, I want. What I want to know. I
0: see. I see. To okay. the
1: point they weren't getting asked me anything at all, <laughs> and probably left the impression of uh, okay, well, this guy, you know, he has too many barriers. There's too much he's dealing with he really doesn't want it. And I I can tell you one time in my career, there was an opportunity brought to me that a executive recruiter did not cast the scale, the scope, the size of the opportunity appropriately. And I walked away going, I made a big mistake.
0: Oh, wow. It,
1: it was a huge opportunity, both from an organizational career path, scope, income, you know, you name it down the line. And, and I walked away going, wow, I didn't realize I, I probably played my cards wrong being too defensive. So back to your question, mm-hmm. You know, I think depending where you're at in the interview process, you're gonna have time to ask your questions. Do I need to get those all across at the initial recruiter interview? Uh, Maybe the recruiters, you have a little more Mm -hmm. space to deal with if you're dealing with an executive search firm like us. That's what we're paid to do. That's the time we can take to answer as much of that as we can. Mm -hmm. If you're gonna get on phone interviews, on site, on Skype, I like to recommend you have a couple key questions that you wanna establish, at least in your first or second rounds. If things are progressing and there's alignment between you and the organization, you're going to have time to dig deeper as that goes on and and if they fall in love with you they're going to want to make sure you're happy in the move you're making probably take the time to answer those questions so if you're trying to establish too much upfront to make sure this is the right move for you you may end up weeding yourself out to some extent because people will say this person's just too defensive and we can't get to know them
0: right yeah and I've, I've i've experienced that myself it's kind of a weird dance at the you know kind of director level and above of definitely wanting the job but not wanting it too much where you're coming in too hard, coming in too hot, you're kind of more, you have to kind of step back and relax a little bit and give it time to develop in those conversations that come through. Yeah, and so there's a real mental game to it, putting
1: yourself in the right mindset of what do I want, how bad do I want it, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and doing that. And it's a difficult thing in this day and age because there's a lot of people in career turmoil and change And sometimes their
0: mindset just isn't always right entering those opportunities. Sure, sure. Great. No, that's great feedback. And I think, um, you know, so another another one that that I have seen being a problem, and you kind of mentioned this earlier, is... And especially, I think, as as roles tend to scale up. I mean, it's one thing to be a, you know, kind of managerial level candidate and say, I had impact over this or I had ownership over this. But, you know, when you're running, uh, you know, multiple teams, multiple locations, multiple, you know, uh, initiatives, or maybe you're part of a big initiative, mm-hmm. how, where do you draw the line to take ownership? You know,
1: it, it, it's a great question. I, early in my career, went through an interview process with an organization that I have a lot of respect for and spent a couple of great years with. and. I had to admit, I I went through the interview process. I interviewed at the local level with the executive team at the organization and went through a pretty grueling process and got kicked to a a regional interview. And I was thinking, oh, I'm going to go to the regional. They're not going to be in touch. They're too far away from this. They've got multiple business units to run. And it was actually one of the most grueling interviews I went through. And there was a lot of good lessons I learned from it. Mm. And this person picked my resume apart. And so there were things that I said... Oh, I sat on a committee that brought in $150 million in revenue to the organization. This person went the extra step to start saying, well, what'd you do on that committee? What was your role on that committee? Were you just showing up at meetings? Were you speaking up at the committee? Right. That forces you really to think at that level. And I think, you know, the way I come back to it and I like to tell people is if I want to take credit for something on my resume, something I was a part of. I think a good line in the sand for me is, look, if that initiative miserably failed and caused a black eye to the organization or hampered the growth of the organization and I could have been fired for it or let go, it's probably worth me taking some credit for at that point in time. Mm -hmm. If I'm just showing up to a committee to sit there and be one of 25 people Mm -hmm. and maybe chime in for five minutes, while that committee may have accomplished a great thing in the end or, or done some great things for the organization, I think I have to be careful to what degree I claim credit for that that success, right, and I think that's the the fine line for me that I kind of look at. What, what do I have some ownership in, that ultimately I can be responsible for? And if you have that, and you can ask yourself, and you could speak to that with some authority, I think you're okay to claim credit for that.
0: So interesting, and and um, it's, I think it's a really good point made, and and it brings yeah. me to kind of something else that that has been uh, rolling through my mind when thinking about resumes. When you when you're talking about a team accomplishment mm-hmm. or team leadership, and maybe in these, you know, obviously certain roles have more exposure mm-hmm. to that than others do, but let's say you are you know you have that background in team leadership um how do you present yourself in a way that doesn't necessarily claim all that credit maybe you are maybe you are that amazing but you still ran a team right and that team still had a piece to play in that so how do you present yourself such that you're not superman
1: (laughs) well i i I think even a different angle to that ken that i I like to tell people or i like to ask people did it happen to you or because of you right and i think that's what you're getting at and asking that question and it is very true in life, timing is everything. And you see it in people's career trajectories and paths that they either work for the right organization at the mm-hmm. right time, the right person, the right leader. She or he was just that awesome person that you had that luxury of being under and the stars aligned that you got to be there when everything right. took off to the next level. And again, you know, I come back to some key things around that, that did the initiatives, did the strategies, did the things I put in place lead to some outcomes? So I'll give you a great example I've talked about before. Okay. And this is how like we like to dig in with potential candidates. Sure, so this re- is the
0: conversation you're having with-
1: Sure, executive search. You'll see often that, you know, and talking about going multiple layers deep, someone will take a, a credit for volume oh, volumes increased 20% under my watch while I was in this role for two or three years. Now, sometimes the time frame's a tip-off because having run divisions myself, run organizations myself, I know there's a realistic change of when some things can happen depending on the culture, the type of organization, the structure you're in. And, you know, there's a lot of things that go on around that. Did growth happen mm-hmm. because you opened new locations and it was just a factor of that? And maybe you did open the new locations and you should be taking credit for that and that was it. Or in healthcare, for a great example that I've seen and I've dug into, contracts realign all the time with systems. Were you happen to just be the executive there when your organization right. brought on a new contract that brought fifty or a hundred thousand lives? Right. And the volume. And you was didn't running. do anything. Yes. Yeah, you, you, you were just
0: there. You were just there when it happened. Right. Right. Or
1: there were other factors in the organization that the bottom line took shape, and you're saying, "Hey, I increased EBITDA by this much," or "You know, we increased margins by this much." Again. As an executive recruiter, that's where I like to challenge people and go a couple layers deep and really find out what we're dealing with there. Sure, and, sure. And I think too many people get away sometimes with just taking credits for things that they just happen to be at the right place at the right time.
0: So interesting point. I think um, it, you know it brings up kind of a, a different question for me on this, which is, and you mentioned this, you know, you, you, when you're interviewing someone and you have that background and you know, mm-hmm. can you really increase volume? Hey, you've been here two years and you increased, you doubled your volume. Is that? were you just riding the wave, right? Correct. But it, it brings up a good point. Um, how much do you know about who's interviewing you, right? And do you know who you're walking into a, into an office with and have you been prepped for that? And are you ready for that? That,
1: that, that is very true also. I think from um, multiple angles, I could come at that. One is, you know, Fortunately, the, the people I work with, we're pretty seasoned that I think we have a good insight to many organizations around the country, whether they be for-profit, non-profit, government entities, how they work. I've had the luxury of working in all three throughout my career. Sure. So um, for better or worse, I've, I've learned the good, the bad, and the, the ugly of, of working those type of entities. More good, I like to think, than <laughs> any of the other ones. Um, but you know, when you're coming to interview with that, knowing the type of culture, the organization you're coming to, I think is is very important, mm-hmm. um, and knowing where that that organization is heading. If I'm gonna align my resume to my credits and what I did knowing my speaking points going to that interview that it's aligning that organization is very important also
0: great 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 no that's awesome and um so that kind of I think concludes our conversation today around resumes um great conversation I think definitely more to come I want to thank Larry for being on the podcast principal advisor at uh square up talent uh this is the square up talent podcast I'm Ken your host and we'll see you next time